welcome to the Grafted Family Podcast, where we, Tom and Dawn, have conversations around marriage, family, wholeness, and everything in between. Grab your cup of coffee and come and join us. Welcome back. I hope you are well. We decided to take a break last week. It's just been a a challenging homeschool couple of months, and this week it just started kids going back to school, so and a whole bunch of other stuff around the world. But we're back. And we, we are back. And we're glad to, to be able to have a, another conversation. And today, we thought we would talk about raising a mixed-race family. But before we get going, how are you, love? Yeah, I am good. It's been a very interesting week. There have been some very interesting things that are happening around the world, other than the pandemic now. Um and I think it's led the to new some... cycle got yes a, a different story to cover. I think it's led to some very interesting family conversations. So to create some context, we've obviously had social media that's been filled with a call for people to recognise that Black Lives Matter on the back of George Floyd, on the back of Collins Causa, and 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 other people who have been killed by people who are supposed to protect them. And what it is, it's raised again. The question of do all lives matter? Do I have to say that? Can I say black lives matter and not offend people who are saying all lives matter? And obviously we're, we're raising a family where some kids are white, some kids are black, and we're white. And we don't know what it feels like to grow up as young black people. And we are needing to navigate this because our kids are going to have to navigate it. And we need to help them through that. And we need to help unpack what's going on for them. And we have to help guide them through it. So we have to equip ourselves. And we have to understand it ourselves. And we can't be blind. We really need to engage with the conversations that are happening. So these conversations have been really good. Uh, yeah. We just had a really great one with our kids. Talking about George Floyd. And you know, really having the conversation that some people will treat you know, our white child with perhaps more respect or believe that he's more valuable just because of the color of his skin versus his brothers and sisters Mm. and trying to unpack that for them in a way that they don't just become not racist, but actually become anti-racist and especially the responsibility on on us as white people to be anti-racist, to call it out, to not just you know, laugh it off and feel a bit awkward and uncomfortable, but to actually step into the discomfort mm. and say, no, that's yeah. not okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as white parents, as white families, there's a lot of work that we have to do. Yeah. I was saying to Tom earlier, even just us sitting and having this conversation has made me feel really uncomfortable and I consider myself one of those people that I think has started a work Mm. has been on a journey and yet when I sit here and feel so uncomfortable about this conversation I realize how far I still have to go yeah and I I think we we underestimate the impact of of racism and bias and prejudice on us and mm. I think we've, people have often said it that it's very easy to call out the racist people, those overtly yeah. intentional shouting from the, the balconies, those, those racist people in your face. But I think the challenge is racism extends beyond 
somebody blurting out racist comments. It, it goes down to systems, it goes down to structures, it goes down to you know, those implicit biases, those built-in belief systems that you act upon before you've even realized that this thing is inside of you. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of that, that TED talk with the lady who's talking about implicit biases where she's a, she talks about transformation and she's on a plane, she's a woman and you know fights for women's rights and she's an African-American lady, so African-American women's rights. And, and she gets on a plane and um, she hears a female pilot and she's so stoked and she's excited that there's this woman pilot and... You know, this is reaffirming her beliefs and she speaks about how during their flight they had some turbulence and she catches herself hoping that this woman can fly a plane as well as a man. And how there's so much of that in us and we actually don't know it's in us until something squeezes us and we actually have to look at ourselves and sit in that discomfort and go, whoa, Mm. I didn't know that was there until right now. And then the question comes, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And I think for a lot of a lot of white folks, not just this week, but and especially in, in the journey of raising mixed-raced families, there will come moments where you will be faced with these things that are inside of you that you didn't know were inside of you. Mm. And then you have to ask the question, what am I going to do? You know, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my family? What work must I do? How do I fix this? Or, you know, yeah. And I think that's hard. That is hard. And I think I'm realizing that one of the hardest forms of racism to get through to if you will is is denial yeah uh those i'm just seeing so many comments out there you know oh but god doesn't see color or can't we just be colorblind and you know we're we're all the same um i'm gonna vomit if one more person (laughs) says all lives matter (laughs) and it's it's hard it's it's hard to confront denial because it's it's almost confronting something that someone cannot see about themselves. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. But I have to say that if you're listening to this, and, and this is one of the things you've been saying, how can God be colorblind? This is just a question. God created us. He created us white, black, every Colored, color, you know. Lighter brown, darker brown. He, he created. Really white folks. <laughs> beautiful colors. And then to say that God doesn't see that, no, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And I think for me, one of, the, one of the hard things for people to navigate, white people to navigate, we're going to use the white word, the black word, so if that offends you, just position yourself for offense, um, is when you sit there going, well, I'm not racist. And there's a lot of people who are not overtly racist, and they're not going to go out, mm. and they're going to like blurt out all sorts of, um, racist profanity, and that's wonderful, but those are the people where there's stuff still built inside of them that when something happens, they almost get very uncomfortable, yeah. and then they almost get their backs up against the wall, and then they feel like, now nah, I need to defend this inside of me, and I really think often the responses are showing how insecure we actually are, mm. and I can sit there saying, no, I don't believe that, and that's terrible. But when situations arise and I feel uncomfortable, our insecurities come up. Yeah. And especially with the Black Lives versus All Lives Matter sort of thing. And I almost in my mind hear this this little child wanting to shout, no, but I'm important too. <laughs> Say I'm valuable. You know, and, and that, that, that meme that, that talks about 
there's a mom at the funeral of her child telling how wonderful her child is and then you have the somebody in the audience jumps up and goes i'm wonderful too you know it's not about you in this moment yeah and yes you are yeah. wonderful but the fact that you need to amplify how wonderful you are in the face of somebody saying this group is also important shows that you feel very insecure about that yeah you know and and we don't need to do that no. we, we can sit in the space and we can examine and we can just be a little bit introspective and just reflect on what is going on inside and i think that is so important when you're raising a mixed race family because we don't have the history of being an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, being raised by black parents or parents of different color and having to navigate this dynamic of being this young mm. person growing up so you can take those tools and apply them when you are raising your own children of color. So I think as, as white parents, we need to be not just sensitive, but very proactive mm. in terms of what we are hearing, what we are saying, what we are reading, what we're listening to, and actually trying to put ourselves in the space where we actually are uncomfortable. I'm on Facebook groups that I disagree with. Yeah. Many of the posts purely to be made uncomfortable on certain topics, specifically around race, so that I can evaluate myself. Yeah. To see, hold on a second, are they wrong? Am I wrong? What's going on there? But unless I put myself in those spaces, our groups don't typically, on a daily basis, raise those mm. things in, yeah. in us. You know? yeah. Also to add, we are speaking about raising a mixed race family yeah. because obviously this is how we got here this is how we got to this place but i just really i feel so strongly that there are white families out there that need to start taking these steps you, you cannot wait until your child is black or until your child dates a black uh, has a black spouse or you know brings black brings home black friends you, you can't you can't wait for those moments now is the time to start doing the work yeah. or colored or asian or, or whatever the case may be because there's all sorts of exactly exactly and um i mean we just have this little example at at the school we're at there's a diversity committee at mm. the school at the first meeting what we noticed was that the families at the diversity meeting that were white were all adoptive families yeah and the other families were black but there was not a single white family on this diversity committee. That's shocking. Yeah, it's almost like, unless I have to engage with this topic, I won't. And because you're black, you have to engage with it. And because you have black kids, well, you have to engage with it. But it really was odd that the only non-black people who were replying were the adoptive community. Mm. And that, to me, is an indicator that we have a lot of work to do as white families in general to establish in our own hearts that this is an issue and we need to place it on our radar of things that are important and we need to grapple with it. We need to engage mm -hmm. with it and we need to check ourselves and, and ask some hard questions and sit in the mess Yeah. if you feel that a mess comes out, those conversations. So love, let me ask you, what is it like raising a mixed race family for you, a white woman in South Africa in 2020? I think it's been eye-opening, definitely. Yeah. I have grown mm -hmm. a huge amount. I have become aware of a lot of things about myself that I was not aware of before. As small examples, but, you know, raising black daughters, obviously I have to 
find salons where they can get their hair done. And I think that that first time walking into an ethnic hair salon and being the only white person in the room yeah. and being so aware of that, yeah. being so uncomfortable and then realizing that... What does it feel like for them? This is what yeah. black people go through. Every day. Every day. Yeah. And, and it's an eye-opener. I don't think we, we sit in that discomfort. I think for most of us, that doesn't even cross, cross our minds. We, 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 for most of us, have never experienced that as, as white people. I remember yeah. taking our youngest son to an ethnic salon and, and being that, that, that yeah. white dad there. Yeah. I'm surrounded by these moms and these girls getting their, their different hairstyles made and sitting there for two hours as this little girl sits there. I'm going, how on earth do you sit, get a little girl to, to sit there for so long? And I sat there and at first I did, I felt uncomfortable. Mm. And they were the most welcoming, friendliest people. And by the look on their faces, they certainly didn't look at me like, what are you doing here, buddy? Um, no. After a while, you are perfectly fine. But I did re realize at first that this feels a bit uncomfortable. Like you say, this is what people feel like every day when you go to Woolworths or pick and pay. And, you know, it's like you're walking into these white worlds or these white dominated worlds in the suburbs. This is mm. what black folks, I would think, feel on a daily basis. And I think it's, it's a great experience to put ourselves in, in those environments where it actually makes us realize that our worlds and our experiences from growing up are not the same as the majority of people, especially in this country. Mm. I think on the flip side of that as well is I have become so aware of walking into places where there are, say we walk into a restaurant and the patrons at the restaurant are majority white yeah. and the servers at the restaurant are all black. Yeah. I've become very aware of that and, and quite uncomfortable about that, especially if our kids are with us. Yeah. Very aware of the world they're growing up in. How do they see black people represented to them? Yeah. And I think, I think that's important as, as white parents raising mixed race family is you have to be intentional about providing your kids with role models. So if you look mm. at a school setup, kids go to private schools, what are the colors of their teachers? Yeah. What are the colors of their coaches? What are the colors of the headmasters? Mm. So you have a little black girl, a little black boy growing up in a, in a private school setting, for example, and they're seeing all these people who are leading them, yeah. but none of them are black. Yeah. None of them are often colored or yeah. Asian. Yeah. You know? um, it's just white folk. And you know, we have been very grateful for our daughter's uh, swimming coach, who was a black lady. Yeah. She was amazing. And the dentist, who is not white. And... And trying to have people around who are not white. And let's, mm. let's be fair, it, it's often not easy. No. Because we, we, we've grown up in a world where you don't have access to people of color. Mm. So you actually have to go out and be very intentional. And I think as parents raising mixed race families, we have to be intentional. Yeah. And we have to take the opportunities. If there's a person that looks like this and a person that looks like that... Pick the one that will build into your child and, and allow them to see, hey, you can be this. I mean, if you look at music, uh, who, 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 are, who are the people singing the songs? What musicians do you like? Darius Rucker. We love country music. Darius Rucker is amazing. Mm. If you know Hootie and the Blowfish, he was the black guy singing that. And he's the, he's the most phenomenal country yeah. music 
star, if you will. What books, what, what movies, what, what, what TV shows? You know, not just creating your life and then raising this mixed-race family, but not having them see people that they can aspire to be, mm. doctors or lawyers yeah. or um, sports stars or superheroes. You know, thank yeah. you, Black Panther, you're a legend. Yes. Um, and I think that's so important that we have to be so intentional yeah. about it. Yeah, and I think more than just mixed-race families, I think white families as well. Look at your kids' bookshelves, please. Yeah. Please be intentional about seeing who is represented in your kid's life. Let's stop perpetuating this thing that white people are the only ones that can be the star of a book or be the star of a movie. Mm. If you've got white kids, please buy them some books with kids of color. Yeah. Um, you know, any race, just go out and be different. Yeah, and we're not just... We're not just raising kids who we want to not be racist. We're actually wanting to raise anti-racist children mm. who will actively call out instances of racism, of prejudice, of bias. Yeah. Not in a hateful way. And I think oftentimes it doesn't need to be called out in a hateful way because a lot of the times it's just ignorance. And you just need to have people just jolted a little bit in that mm. moment to go, hey, hold on a second, that's that's not acceptable. Yeah. You can't do that. As As a Christian man or any Christian person. There's a book called Nought for Your Comfort uh, by uh, Trevor Huddleston. He was a priest uh, in the 50s, I think it was, in Sophia Town. If you want to read a book that will rock your world as a white Christian person, read that. Nought for Your Comfort, Trevor Huddleston. Um, a good friend said that that is the book that I need to chew into. That's the book where you start. And if you want to start having some conversations around how the church has interacted with and dealt with and is responsible for mm. some of the the race issues in this country, that book is an absolute must. So now it's your turn to answer the same question. What is it like? What is it what is it like as a white dad raising black children? You know, for me, I think it has provided what's well, been a catalyst and it's provided opportunities to educate myself to realize how ignorant we are, how blind we are. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm very thankful for catalyzing action that, that our family has, has brought to me because I've actually been very intentional in trying to learn and read and hear and often not you know, being overly successful with it, but I have. I've, mm. I've tried to listen, I've tried to learn, I've tried to read um, put transformation courses together, yeah. you know, stop being blind. And I think that's important because I'm raising, yes, I've, I've got black daughters, but I'm, I'm raising a black man mm. and not knowing the challenges that black men go through personally, that scares me a little bit. Yeah. You know, when I go to the shops, I'm very aware now that if my one son was to run out of the shop, as a you know, 14, 15 year old boy and my other son who was to run out of the shop as a 14, 15 year old boy, I'm aware of the fact that the one would be looked at differently than mm. the other. So all yeah. those people who sit there going, no, there's no system of privilege and you know, it's, it's, it's just something that's made up, it's absolute rubbish. Mm. You know, there was, there's, there's that um, 
that professor who had a class of people and said, I think she asked everybody to stand up. Did they think that um, black people were treated badly? And nobody put their hand up or something like that. And then she said, okay, then stand up if you would like to be treated like black people or like you think black people are treated. And nobody stood up. Mm, and yeah. she said, right then and there, you've just shown that you know there's a difference in how people are treated. And I think that scares me a little mm. when you look at the news, when you look at how you know some young black men are treated. And obviously, when you start looking at the cops and how they treat them yeah. and stuff, you know, it's, that scares me. You know, how's my son, my, my beautiful little boy, as he gets older? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, watching some TED Talks where, you know, black p parents have stopped their, their little you know, boys of 9, 10 playing cops and robbers or running around the parking lot with their water pistols mm. and pulled them inside yeah. and said, we can't play those games. Yeah. You know, that, that hurts me. You mm. know, that I haven't got that history, but... Well, I now need to say to my sons, we have to stop that because your brother might be seen as some, something other than a, a little boy running around with a water pistol because some people out there have got ways of thinking that hasn't been renewed or mm. hasn't been, you know, it's just so murky and, and messed up and evil, quite frankly. And so it is a bit scary, but I'm also just so thankful for the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um, that, it's such a blessing. Mm -hmm. To have your eyes opened, and you know, there's that that saying that you know what what gets you on the journey may not sustain you on the journey, and I and I think I think that's true. I think when people adopt or foster or get into a space where they have mixed race families, they get there for reasons. But we, we need to do the work, yeah. and we need to never think that we've arrived because at the end of the day, I was never and I will never be a black man living in this world. Yeah. But I'm raising one. Yeah. So I need to be very intentional and yeah. learning as best I can and listening more than I'm talking. Yeah, I think that's a huge one. And even just in this last week with a lot of voices being raised and um, somebody mentioned something on social media where they just said, check the people that you're following. Mm. You know, as, as white people, check who you're following on social media. And to my shame, I went through my Instagram feed and I thought... Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, and when I rack my brain to think, well, who and I'm not just, I'm not talking about friends here, I'm talking about influential people, um, people that you're following and I just thought, wow, like do I even know anyone off the top yeah. of my head to follow that's a person of colour? That's isn't that terrible? Yeah. Isn't that terrible? I mean I've been raising, you know, black kids we've been a mixed race family for eight years and uh, to your point, we are still learning. There's still we have so far to go still yeah. and to just never be complacent to never think oh well we've done we've done a good job pat myself on the back <laughs> we have so far to go still yeah but i think being on the journey is so important and i think as parents we we need to perhaps equip ourselves with certain things that are out there and you know we we can find books you can find books that celebrate black culture um, we'll, we'll put a link, we'll put a couple of, 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 of names of books underneath or in, the, in the comments of the podcast and on Instagram. But there are many books out there. There's, I mean, we, we were sent a list by, by some, some parents who are on a transformation committee with me. And there's some great books. They're great kiddies books that, that just celebrate black culture. And also there's books that um, can help start a conversation about race to 
to talk with you. I mean, one here, can I touch your hair? I mean, there's just such there's such cool little little books in the week we can talk about and with our kids to start the conversation. And there's documentaries. Um, one that I've just downloaded says, "I'm not your Negro." It's a civil rights documentary. Um, the house I live in. We are the giant. Um, do not resist. And I think. We need to be equipping ourselves and, and reading and learning and listening. And I think that's a start. Mm. I think it's a start. And especially with mixed race families, if you were never a person of color, to try and get as many tools in your tool belt to help raise those kids. Because the world that they are going to encounter is not the same as the one you encountered, as much as you would like it to be. So we have to be, we have to be planning ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think there's so much more that we can speak about on this mm. topic, and we definitely will. Um, but we're going to wrap it up now, yeah. and we will put a link to some of those resources in in our post. And yeah, thanks for joining us with this conversation. We've we've had fun. We always have fun, and we look forward to chatting to you next week. See you then.